0: What's up, horror fans? Anchor Pete here. And it is time to talk about all of the great horror movies that came out in 2021. 2021 was a pretty shit year, but I had the great pleasure of making videos with my good friend over there, Dr. Zayas, G O D. Danny, how you doing tonight?
1: This whole process of coming up with my top 10 uh stressed me out more than I thought. <laughs> I, I went in, I think because 2021 was such a shitty year in general, I went in assuming this wasn't as great a year for horror until I comprised a list for a top 10, mind you have about 30 horror films and then went, Oh my God, I have to whittle this down to 10. And it was incredibly difficult. And then even more so to then rank those top 10.
0: You ready to take us into
1: number 10 on your list? Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, I think you have, the, I, I'm going to assume you have this movie on the list on your list. My number ten is the Nighthouse.
0: My number, yes. My number nine is the Nighthouse.
1: Ah, so I mean, that's a pretty good start, right there. I think so. <laughs> uh, the Nighthouse was uh, directed by David Bruckner, uh, really good filmmaker. He did this, um, he did this in the woods horror movie called The Ritual that was on Netflix a few years ago. Awesome movie, featuring an amazing monster. Uh and the Nighthouse was just super creepy, uh, dealt with a lot of issues that I could relate to this year, like yes. uh grief and loss. Rebecca mm-hmm. Hall delivered one of the best performances of the year in any style of movie. Uh, I thought, and I love the way that they showed the the way that they used, I don't even know how to express it, empty space. Mm -hmm. to to show whatever was like haunting her or it just it it was very unsettling i saw it in a theater um there were not many people in that theater so again i was in like a large dark room watching this movie and it really had a lasting impact on me i feel like this is the type of movie where had i seen this at home on vod Probably would not have made the top 10, but being in a theater for it uh, and being able to just give it two hours of complete focus in the dark, uh, it put it on the list for me.
0: Yeah, very well said. I agree with everything you just said. Um, One of the things about this movie that was so relatable was there was this great sense of like nihilism and like hopelessness or like, you know, what is the point of it all? You know, this is a somewhat of a spoiler, but like Rebecca Hall's husband commits suicide at the very beginning of the movie. And uh, he leaves behind these notes and, and you know, you kind of get messages from him. And it seems like there's nothing to life. What's the point? And after these years of the pandemic, you know, things do start to get pretty bleak around here. And so I think that that was one of the things that this movie really excelled at was conveying that feeling. Um, it also had one of, I think, maybe the strongest jump scare in a movie this year for me that I've seen. And I haven't seen as many horror movies as you, but there was one moment that I was not expecting at all, and it's like a prolonged, like jittering kind of feeling. And uh, there was nothing like that else in any of the other movies on my list.
1: Uh, My number nine was uh, a movie, kind of like we mentioned earlier, according to IMDb, it said 2020, but then it was released... Uh, to streaming this year uh, was Come True, which is streaming on Hulu. Okay. Come
0: True is actually not on my my list. list. It would be in my honorable mentions.
1: Like, I feel like there's better movies on my list, but this movie creeped the heck out of me. Uh, There's so much dark imagery in this movie uh, without even being, like, without being graphically grotesque or violence. It, this movie explores dreams and there's these like shadowy beings that haunt our dreams. And it's not like Freddy Krueger. It's not wow. like, you know, uh, insidious where there's, you know, demons that are going to possess us. It's just these, it's almost like impending doom is, con- is just following us. And again, you brought up the pandemic, like this just felt like a really great, pandemic movie um the director of this movie anthony scott burns is like one of those jack of all trades like Mm -hmm. um uh jordan graham who directed Seder, which again another one of my movies that just missed the top 10 uh we, we interviewed him for our channel uh he did like everything in this movie anthony scott burns he was like a jack of all trades directed wrote it i think he even did the music for it Uh, And I wanted to shout out uh, Julia Sarah Stone, who I continually call Julia Sharon Stone, uh, because (laughs) she was basically carries this movie on her back, and she
0: was great. Like I didn't do a lot of research into this movie because it didn't make my list ultimately, but I was like, I guarantee the director is a guy that also does like special effects and design, because like the imagery from the dreams is like such a major, major part of the movie. Just those long takes where they're just going through a tunnel and you're just kind of seeing this narrow vision. Um I really like this movie. I really like the score. At one point there is a poster for the Terminator on someone's wall in their apartment and I'm like I can tell that is like such a big influence on this movie. It really feels like like a kind of a 1980s movie that you would have on like Channel 9 on a Saturday afternoon.
1: So number 8 is a complete and total cop out I am fully aware of it. It is all three movies of Netflix's Beer Street uh, Trilogy, 1994, 1978, and 1666. Um, I know you mentioned you put one of them in your top 10. Can yeah. I guess which one?
0: Sure. Yeah, do it.
1: Was it 78? No. 66?
0: Nope. Okay, 94. <laughs> yes 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 yeah like i picked the first one 1994 a because you know i was kind of a a teenager around that time and um you know even though they like jam-packed it with as many '90s songs as they could in like the first 10 minutes it still did evoke that feeling of uh you know nostalgia that was so strong for them and also besides that it had one of the deaths in there that was probably the death that affected me the most out of any of these horror movies we saw this year, too.
1: The reason that I copped out and put the whole trilogy in is because I actually liked them more as they went along. I feel like 94 was my least favorite because I went, maybe because of my expectations, I went in expecting a slasher. And then very quickly, it goes from slasher to supernatural. And it right. I couldn't, like, I, it, it it kind of messed with me a little bit. I was like, this movie needs to make up its mind. What does it want to be? I really love 78 because I'm a fan of, you know, Halloween, Sleepaway Camp, Friday the 13th, all of those, you know, 80s. Even though it's 78, it, it's really 80s style camp slashers, uh, but with that supernatural twist. And then 66, 1666 was actually my favorite part because not only do you get the all of the, the 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 origin of the lore going back to like uh, a movie that felt like the witch but then it, yeah. it comes back to 1994 and i felt it made the the first movie 1994 better uh, mm-hmm. by finishing that story and by finishing up uh with those characters so uh, lee Janiac, uh who directed all three movies i think she did an amazing job of building the story uh, and I feel like this is something that could be an annual thing. Like, I would love to see Netflix do this every year. Like, totally different story. Doesn't have to be a continuation. But this, like, one horror movie a week where they release, like, a trilogy in, in a month. Like, yeah. that, to me, is a great idea.
0: I should say, too, that that's my number three on my list.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. So that that's up there for you. Okay, good. My number seven is The Vigil. Uh, A a movie that I thought was going to end up higher on the list. Um, It was written and directed by a guy named Keith Thomas. um, And this movie hit home for me a lot. Uh, It takes place in Brooklyn. Uh, It's about a a Jew, uh, a Jewish man, and and, uh, a lot of Jewish traditions. uh, More Hasidic. Uh, very religious Jewish, more than me, who's like you know an electric menorah in the corner for for Hanukkah. Right. But it was nice to it was nice to kind of see like Jewish traditions in a horror movie where you know you, you know, we do holiday horror. Uh, we've done it two years in a row, and you know of course there's a ton of Christmas themed horror movies, so it was nice to see uh, a, a Jewish themed horror movie uh, for yeah. once. Uh, but this movie was legitimately scary um yes did you did you see this did you watch this of course it's actually number
0: four on my list
1: wow okay good the guy's name is legitimately dave davis (laughs) the the lead actor (laughs) which i laughed when i wrote down but dave davis was really good um definitely better than mike michelson and and no that that was terrible but yeah he was very good in the lead uh and it's just and enclo- it's an enclosed horror movie it takes place in one house yes. uh, on one night and it's dark and it's creepy as hell. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, number, that was my number seven and you have it even higher. So I have it as number four. And
0: I think that like with our year that we're in right now, you know, we've already said this, I think twice on this episode where it's like th- this year, I feel like has influenced the films, the pandemic has influenced the films. And uh, you said that censor is one of your honorable mentions. It's not on your actual top 10 censor is just like St. Maud, And it's just like this movie where you essentially are following around the main character and you don't see things from the perspective of other characters at all. It's just the main character's perspective. There's no scenes with other people. And in all three of these movies, there's that sense of, okay, well what's real What's the person seeing? There's varying degrees. In this movie, the main character, Yakov, played by Dave Davis, he has mental illness. And so he kind of goes back and forth. Is there something here? Is there truly an evil entity here? Is it in my mind? And so there's this sense. All three movies that I just mentioned, there's this real sense of being isolated. You're cut off from everybody. Um, You know, there's varying degrees. The characters interact with other people. But in this movie, it has it the worst to where he is like just alone in this apartment. He does run into the the widow of the man who he's doing the vigil for. But she's kind of a scary presence, too. So even though it's this little old lady, she's creepy yeah. as hell. That multiple parts in the movie.
1: A lot of these movies this year, uh, o- over the last two years, have been, you know, single character studies of how like loneliness and you know, mental illness affects people. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it, it comes up a lot in a lot of these movies that I wrote down.
0: And it's funny because it comes up a lot on the show too, right? Cause we talked about uh, Rosemary's baby. And one of the points that we made in Rosemary's baby was that it follows Rosemary completely. Mia Farrow carries the whole movie and she feels isolated and alone in Manhattan in the biggest city in the world. And the movies that I just mentioned, they are, for the most part, taking place in cities too, like Censors in London. Uh, This one is in Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. right? And then St. Maude is like in, I don't know, some seaside town or whatever in Britain or something. But, um, you know, they're not in the countryside. They're not in an isolated, wooded area. They're just by yourself, you know, in a crowded area. And that's kind of the feeling of the pandemic is that you're kind of isolated, whether it's like you're with your family or or you're in your apartment by yourself. There's a whole world outside, but we're just not able to connect. And I think it's so interesting, like a movie like St. Maude and some of these other movies, like they were made kind of prior to the pandemic or maybe they were being made like right when the pandemic started. But it's really capturing the feeling of what 2021 felt like you know yeah. so
1: i mean another wh- movie that made my long list um that goes back to an interview we did was uh we need to do something which is yeah. literally a pandemic movie that it it's yeah. not it just it, it was written uh it just feels like it was perfectly made for the pandemic uh, yes. about a family trapped in a bathroom and there's some type of entity outside uh and yeah we uh, we we interviewed the writer of that film, uh, who wrote the book, and it was incredibly creepy. Uh, it, it made my long list. Uh, so,
0: yeah, well, I'm I'm getting a little worried here because a lot of your honorable mentions are movies that are on my actual list. So I want to see. Hey, what else I got mean, on it was here. a
1: good year for horror. We, that's the beauty of it. You know, the more the more our lists are different, the more movies get shouted out um, on our list. Oh, number six, uh, it's malignant. Uh, I love, listen, we, we talked about this. We did a big deep dive. Um, you guys, if you're watching this, you can go, uh, on our channel. Um, we, we did a about a 20, 30 minute review of this movie. This is the movie you talked about rewatchability. Okay. Okay. This is a rare case where it's not rewatching a whole movie. It's rewatching one particular 30 minute stretch of a movie that I think I've done about five to six times already. Wow. I, I genuinely think one of the most talked about moments in any horror movie this year, the right. reveal of who Gabriel is the entity or the, the, the demon or whatever it is that is the killer in this movie. Yeah. And when we, from the time we we find out who it is, and then there is a scene in a jail, the movie just goes from, this is kind of a weird, stupid movie, to, holy crap, this is the w- most balls-out, insane movie I've ever seen. And I wrote down, I think, you know, the expression, you throw something at the wall to see what sticks, with James Wan, he threw everything at the wall, and everything stuck to the wall. And that's what we got here. Uh, I I fully respect that I will probably never watch this movie from beginning to end again. But I will always watch uh, that that 30, 20 to 30 minute stretch. Uh, the last 30 plus minutes of this movie are... Absolutely insane. I love them. I love that they exist. And James Wan is a crazy bastard.
0: A movie like this is going to be remembered for decades. The the scene that you're talking about is going to be on best of lists for decades.
1: So number five, getting back from the ridiculous to the legitimately scary horror movies. This is a movie I caught at the very end of 2021. Uh, It's on Shudder. It's called The Power.
0: Oh, did not see it.
1: <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> uh, so, did you ever see Guillermo del Toro's *The Devil's Backbone*? I have seen that. Yes. And if you like *The Devil's Backbone*, and I, I think it's a great movie. Um, this movie felt like, um, it was, it, it felt like a modern day version of that. And, and it's weird to even say that because the movie takes place, the movie is set in 1974, but it's about, um this uh, woman who, who takes a job in um, the children's wing of an English hospital. And, uh, and and when she goes to work there, it's in the middle of a, uh, an energy shortage in England. So early seventies, I guess there was an energy shortage everywhere. That was the U S had the oil crisis at that point. Right. And so In order to uh, survive, the hospital effectively blacks out every night, like aside from like the machines it needs to keep patients alive, it turns all the lights off. So effectively what you have is uh, about 90 to 100 minutes of uh, a a woman walking around a huge hospital in the dark um, and it's haunted. And we, and, and then there's the mystery element of what exactly is haunting this, uh, hospital does the, does the haunting force want her to help it out or is it trying to get her? Uh, it just reminded me of early del Toro. Um, and I, and it had some of the best you mentioned earlier with, uh, I think it was the the Nighthouse, with in terms of like jump scares. This movie has, I wouldn't even call them jump scares, but it just has some legitimately terrifying moments. Like it, the movie is just encased in. It, it reminded me. It's also very similar to The Vigil of, you know, somebody who is in an unfamiliar space. It's constantly dark. It's not dark for a, a gimmicky reason. It's dark for a legitimate reason. Right. And it's also like the '70s, so she's walking around with like a, and in England, so she's walking around with like a candle lit. Oh, it it, it hit all the right, uh, like scary moment uh, things that I love in horror movies. It was written and directed by a woman named Karina Faith. There's hints of like sexual assault and uh, a lot of uh, you know crimes against kids and crimes against women that get brought up, but it doesn't like beat you over the head with a message. It's not like, like, you know, the, it's not anti subtle. It's very like, it just hints at these things and lets you as the audience uncover them and, and understand them. Uh, which I enjoy more than being hit over the head with a sledgehammer. And so, yeah, I, I just thought this was a genuinely scary movie. So number four for me is a movie that I know you've seen. Um, I okay. I, I'm, I think it might be on your list. Okay. It's uh, it's Teton.
0: Oh, okay. You say Titan. Okay, so that's how you're supposed to say it, Titan?
1: I I'm not French. I don't know. Is it Titan? <laughs> or I, I've I've been saying Titan. Titan. Oh, I think everybody knows the movie we're talking about. It T I T A N E. Um, it's by uh, French filmmaker Julia. Ducaro, I believe is how you say her name. Duke she Arnell? did the movie Raw a few years ago.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And somehow she made a movie even sicker and even crazier than that. Yes. Um, I, I wrote down this movie felt like David Cronenberg's Crash, the movie about like people who get in car accidents and then like to have sex in the cars. <laughs> right. Like right. that movie. Athena just gave the absolute like most disgusted look over there which is funny because that's pretty much what my face was 80% of this movie just like Yes. Yes. I'm almost at a loss of words for how to even explain this movie. Like I don't even want to explain it. Like if you haven't no. seen it, rent it on VOD, watch right. it. It this movie more than any this year is an experience. Agatha Roussel, yes. I mean she's not going to win an Oscar, but my God, like if yeah. there was any justice in the world, she'd have a nomination. And right. uh Vincent London is, his performance is so strange because like he, he said, like he has this in, immense sadness and like, there's this longing that these characters have for It's just, just go rent it. It's, it's so freaking weird and good.
0: I'm, I'm assuming that The Medium might be on your list. I'm not sure. Is The Medium on your list? Okay, okay, good, good, good. Medium's on my list too. And what I'm noticing with Titane and The Medium and St. Maud, three movies that are on my list, is that actresses truly go above and beyond this year. They do some ridiculous oh, things oh, in you, movies.
1: I, I, know, I, I already know who you're talking about with The Medium, of course, yeah.
0: Right, right, and so, but this movie, just what Agatha Roussel goes through and puts herself through, just the way that she looks for the majority of the movie, you know, it, it, it's just like complete lack of inhibition. It's just like she's completely out there. She's naked often throughout the movie, um, and she's and
1: just, she's only like according to IMDb, this is her first feature. She's only done right. like two shorts, like right. To, my God, like, this is my right. first freaking movie. My number three is VHS 1994.
0: Oh, I didn't see that one, man. Does that have the Hail Ratma thing?
1: And I'll okay. tell you why. it okay. it's, it's sort of similar to Malignant, but not. Mm-hmm. I, I think this overall um, was actually an awesome anthology. Tremendous okay. anthology. Have you seen the other VHS movies?
0: I have not. Okay,
1: so if you're a fan of of found footage, which I happen to be a huge found footage fan, and if you're a a fan of anthologies, they're all well worth watching. Probably not the third one. VHS 1 and 2, really good. Viral was okay. This one is awesome, VHS 94. And I put this up there because there's like five full segments, and two of them... Would rank as if they were short films on their own, would be on my top 10 list. Um, and that is you already mentioned it, uh, Chloe Acuno's Storm Drain, which has uh, let's put it this way on Twitter, Hail Rotma was an actual hashtag, like, yeah, like if you put in like HA, it would finish it for you on Twitter. <laughs> That's how popular. That got um, right, and that was just mind-blowing. Like, what an amazing section of an of a horror anthology. Uh, there's some other really good ones. There's one about like very similar to The Vigil about a a woman in a funeral home and the the body in the coffin might not be dead. There's something like that, but the other one is Timo Tijanto's The subject. Uh, Timo Tijanto is an Indonesian horror filmmaker. Uh, He's made some really good movies. And Indonesia is one of the best countries in recent years for putting out great horror content. Really, Southeast Asia is just killing it uh, the last couple of years. And the the subject is uh, basically his... 20 plus minute version of uh, uh, Tetsuo the Iron Man uh, about a a mad scientist who uh, is basically putting together humans with machines and it's, it's done in the first person. So the whole time you're following this like character who's trying to get out of away from this mad scientist doctor. And then of course you find out you see in a mirror, it's like this head, like a camera headed, like no head monster. <laughs> it's just crazy. Okay. Uh, if you've ever seen Tetsuo the Iron Man, um, let Timo Tijanto remake it because he just did an amazing job. But those two sections of a horror anthology blew me away. And the rest of the movie is pretty damn good too. But when like 40% of your anthology is i would say five star quality it makes the whole movie elevated
0: i, I still keep thinking that number one we have the same movie and I, th- I think the last two on your list are on my list too so if you tell me yeah. your number two i think then I'm you gonna know go- my
1: final two i just don't know if the order will surprise you or not
0: right 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 right. so so yeah let's see if uh i, I, I i'm guessing what your number one is tell me number two is i'll be like yep i was right let's see
1: all right so number two is Psycho Gorman.
0: Oh shit. Okay, okay, okay. I was wrong.
1: Psycho Gorman, uh again, shameless plug for our channel. We have a great interview up with uh the director of this movie, Steven Kostansky. Uh a really great interview. Um, we had a we had a lot of fun. You got to talk to him about Transformers, uh, which was awesome. Yeah. Uh but even if he hadn't come on our show for an interview, uh this movie is the definition of just absolute fun, okay. But this movie is insanely quotable.
0: Yes, it's
1: got so many just funny performances. The dad in this movie I find hilarious. Like, that the mom great. opens the microwave and it's a mess, and she's like, What did you do to the microwave? I cooked our family an amazing dinner, honey. Right, like, right, right. Those types of like deadpan lines are my favorite. Um, when he, when, uh, when PG said it was nice to meet you, it would be nicer if you were dead, right? right. Just, just so many great one-liners. There's like an entire music video section in the middle of the movie just because, and on top of everything else, this movie has easily the most amazing practical effects, uh, and the best monster effects. Easily one of my favorite movies of the year.
0: Yes. Yes. And and definitely
1: the most rewatchable uh, horror movie that came out this year.
0: Yep. And so you said easily one of your favorite movies of the year. Psycho Goreman is my number one movie of the year. It is my number one pick because it is just a bag full of things. It is like you said, there's so many quotable lines. Then there's just the design in the sense of how cool the main character looks like he looks awesome his world looks awesome there's this one sequence where he's like riding a motorcycle into like a giant mouth and it just looks like a comic book like a two pages of a comic book together um i could easily watch it multiple times a year and um yeah it was a, a no-brainer for me uh just before we hear your number one pick which i i think i know um here's my top 10 okay So for 10, I had Jacob's Wife, which, uh, you know, is on Shudder, Barbara Crampton. Uh, I actually have not seen that many.
1: It's on there.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen that many Barbara Crampton movies, uh, but I kind of love her. I follow her on Twitter and any movie I've seen her in, I've really enjoyed. Number nine is The Night House, which was on your list. Number eight, We Need to Do Something. Number seven was Censor. I actually was a big fan of censor um, because it reminded me of this book, which is one of my favorite books called night film. And um, I really love the idea of like kind of tracking down a director because you're kind of disturbed by what you saw in his movie, or you think there might be something more to it. And I'm just telling you, and I'm telling our viewers too, if they ever make night film, into like an HBO show, yeah. like just for like a one season thing, everyone's going to be talking about that. And that sensor really reminded me of night film uh for number six maybe it might be your number one movie i got the medium then i have T-Tine or whatever titane whatever you want to call it number five number four is the vigil number three is fear street part one 1994 then you and i i guess didn't see eye to eye on this but my number two is actually saint maude and then my number one is psycho gore so that's Anchor Pete's list for 2021. <laughs> uh
1: before uh I mention my number 1 which I think is kind of obvious at this point, I do yeah. want to just shout out two what what I thought was probably my two favorite things in horror uh outside of movies and that was uh the Chucky TV series uh which I was was such a breath of fresh air. It was hilarious. It brought back uh, cast members from the original movie and, and and the entire movie franchise and had really fun new characters. Uh, I reviewed every episode for our channel, but it's uh it it really does uh, it capture the spirit of the movies and if you like the child's Play franchise and Chucky's a character, you owe it to yourself to watch it. The whole thing is streaming on peacock now. it's eight episodes. Um, and without a doubt, And this should come as no surprise to anybody. The best thing in horror this year, from my point of view, was Midnight Mass, uh, which is which was done by Mike Flanagan, who we started this channel for, essentially. Um, Yes. And for the third time, he's made the best Netflix show um, of the year, uh, Haunting of Hill House, Bly Manor, and now... Yeah. And it also featured some of the absolute greatest scare moments, including probably yep. the most shocking moment in horror this year, which I won't spoil if you haven't watched it. It's on Netflix. But the end of one episode in particular is probably the most shocking thing you'll see in uh, a horror show this year. So yes. with that out of the way, um, my number one is The Medium. Uh yeah.
0: Yeah, all right, good and call.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's streaming on Shutter. Um I love foreign horror films. I love foreign films uh and this movie was done by the people who made the movie The Wailing. It's a documentary style. I don't think I don't like to call this found footage because it's not it's like they hire a documentary crew to film. Right. It's not like they found the footage anywhere.
0: But it's right, right, that right.
1: style uh, it takes place in Thailand. And it's about a, a woman who is a, a shaman and she's yeah. like to her, her family and her community's shaman. And they pray to this God uh, to take care of the family and take care of the town. And her niece, I believe it is, gets yes. is possessed and it mm-hmm. it's it's effectively becomes a found footage possession movie. Yeah. And those are probably two of the genres that get me the most in terms of what scare me. Mm-hmm. Um probably the scariest scene in any movie I saw this year was um when they're looking at the security camera footage uh-huh. of the and and this possessed girl you brought her up earlier the actress is just unbelievable. you talk about a fearless performance. yes uh, Mink she's crawling around in the dark chasing uh, the animals in the house chasing you know trying to work her way into the room where a woman has a baby in a crib and you're just like you're sitting there going please don't do what I think they're going to do. please don't go there, please don't go there. And the movie goes there and beyond. And it's legitimately, it's number one on my list because while I love Psycho Gorman, uh, and I will watch Psycho Gorman much more than I will ever watch The Medium, at the end of the day, horror is about scaring you. And this movie scared me more than any movie this year. You know, it's
0: so ironic. For December, you and I talked about all these, uh, you know, possession movies, these demonic movies. And you kept saying how, like, The Exorcist was your lowest ranked out of you know, the omen and Rosemary's baby and the exorcist. Right. And it's so funny because I feel like this movie is like the exorcist in so many ways. Right. Yeah. It's just like the exorcist, but it's in Thailand and there's a documentary crew filming it. But yeah. um, And
1: maybe Reagan was five to 10 years older.
0: Right. 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 But um, it's this great blend because, you know, obviously we, aren't from thailand and so it's kind of exotic just by nature and their culture is so different and so when you see all these rituals that the medium actually the main woman kind of performs it just seems so alien to us um there's like iconic shots in it that i'm just never gonna forget to like there's the medium where she's doing that ritual makes an egg go around a candle and she's trying to like figure out where the girl has gone and she's at one point she's like in the rain as this tr- torrential downpour. I think that's actually the shot they use for the poster for the movie. And um, yeah. I mean, I can clearly see why this is your number one pick because it, it's like uh, kind of on another level from the rest of these, you know. And and just to go back to your uh, midnight mass point that you made, had midnight mass somehow been a movie, which I don't know how they could have made it into one movie, but if they had that would have easily been my number one pick. It would have gone past Psycho Gorman easily because that was like the best horror thing. That was one of the best things I saw this year. We've done this two times now, right? We did last year 2020 and this year. Right. And I think that if you look at our list, the movies are vastly different between the 2020 list and this list too. Right. So, you know, you're right. Like, when I looked at this, I was like, oh, maybe this wasn't that great a year. But then as I was going through the list and when you mentioned the movies I haven't even seen, I'm like, oh, shit, there was so much good stuff. And I have to go back and check some of these things out on Shutter and on Hulu. You took the time to make this list and to discuss it with me. So I really appreciate that. And I really, really appreciate you telling me to check out some of these movies because uh, some of these are going to stick with me. So thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to going through 2022 reviewing movies with you. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. All right, man. We'll see you real soon, guys. Thank you.